Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host New York Times bestselling author and speaker, Bob Goff. They discuss Bob's book, Everybody Always, and how you can become love in a world full of setbacks and difficult people. Our guest, Bob Goff. We're going to be talking about something that's kind of, uh, he's going to have to explain it. Everybody, always. Bob, what are we unpacking for the next one hour? Yeah, I just thought it makes sense with the holiday coming up okay. and Christmas visitors, a beautiful celebration, but it can also be really difficult, right? Because yeah. how do you love people that are difficult to hang out with? Yeah. And sometimes you <laughs> have like in-laws. And, and everybody said... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So what do you do about that? And uh, so I, I wrote a book. It's like, how do you d- deal with people who are difficult? And there's a couple different ways people deal with difficult people. One is they're polite to them. And there's something actually kind of disingenuous about that. I don't think Jesus <laughs> just wants us to be polite with people. I think he wants us to be authentic. But we need to know enough about ourselves, enough about why we're doing what we're doing, so we can engage people with love. Right? And so it isn't like just a Bible study on it. It's actually how you do it. Galatians 5, 6 says this. The only thing that matters is faith expressed in love. What a great time to express your faith and love to people that are difficult. Don't do it just with me. I'm low-hanging fruit. I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. (laughs) Yes, you are. Hence the balloons. Right? (laughs) But if you want a report card on your faith, see how you're dealing with the people who creep you out. Uh, And the crazy thing about uh, that is we're the people that creep some people out. You know who you are. No pointing. But there's something about that, like, how do you deal in a sensitive way? Because you might have a clash between what you believe and what somebody else's beliefs. And I love that God doesn't want us to be a bunch of sheriffs. He wants us to know why we believe what we believe. But he did. Jesus didn't come to die on a cross so we'd go bust everybody's chops, but that we would love people. The only thing that matters, faith expressed in love. But here's the crazy thing. Jesus doesn't need our help. (laughs) He wants our hearts. He wants us to just be his. Okay, you're using a word called creepy, which is kind of a funny word. It's kind of a light (laughs) word. Expand that word base so that we understand it's easy to love Bob Goff's or it's easy to love Lori Crouch's. I've been told it's harder to love me, but, um, but, but the, I love you, but the, uh, so it's easier, you know, but expand the word base creepy. So there's, there's, there's people that are creepy. Then there's people that are, what, what other terms are the ones we're supposed to get, 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 get over? Well, there's actually, uh, some people that are, uh, actually toxic to you that, yeah. uh, that are actually dangerous to you. And I'm so, I'm saying you can love somebody uh, at times from a distance. Okay. Um, but there'll be people that are just delightfully different than you. And, and what we end up doing is distancing ourselves from them because they're different. And I just think that that's where the good stuff happens. Like that's where we go in it. And, and it's loving people without an agenda. Because as soon as you love somebody with an agenda, it isn't love anymore. It's just another program. And I don't want uh, to be another program. I just want to be a guy who's trying to follow Jesus. Okay. Okay. Now you talked, you just said that being polite can be disingenuous. Yeah. So where is the line drawn between being polite and really showing the love of Christ if you're 
Where, where's the difference? What a that? great question. I think it's found in authenticity. The first time I spoke down in the Deep South, it was probably five or six years ago, and I called Sweet Maria Goff after I yes. said, she said, honey, how did it go? And I said, I think it went great because when I was all done, a lady came up to me and she said, bless your heart. <laughs> She's like, oh, you got shanked. <laughs> that does not mean awesome. I didn't know. And so a lot of times, if we can just be authentic to people, to say, even to say, you know what, if you could just take about a half a step back, because uh, you're kind of actually in my grill a little bit. But you can do it with a smile mm -hmm. and to say um, there's something. There was actually what I'm learning. It's, it's right out of James, this idea that we can uh, praise God and curse men with the same tongue. Mm -hmm. And I'm a lawyer. I got a fast tongue. And so one of the things I've been <laughs> trying to do is to just be a little bit more mindful about what I'm saying to people that idea of loving difficult people, sometimes it's just be like, watch what you say. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you, uh, this, this will be almost be like therapy for me for a second. Um, so I'm gonna take advantage of- Yeah, put you your feet here. up, yeah, okay. get your pillow. Um, this, this book, when I, it, this book scares me because I don't think, I don't think I can do it. So I wanna learn <laughs> from you. Okay, I'm sitting here going, everybody always becoming love in a world full of setbacks and difficult people. So I'm assuming this book means love everyone always. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. I think that well, scares actually, it's what me. Jesus was saying. Okay. <laughs> that scared. Yeah. Look, I don't know how I have, how many other people are honest, but I'm just saying well, that, that does not hard. come naturally. Oh, I me. get it. Me too. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, it kind of seems like it comes naturally for you. You seem better at it than me. Well, no, actually, appearances can be deceiving. What I'm trying to do is, uh, is to take these things, these, instead of talking about career, I want to talk about character. Okay. Like, who's the new Bob? And I'm a lawyer. I've been 32 years. I've never lost a case. And it's not because wow. I'm an awesome lawyer. I'm an awesome picker. All right. I just only pick cases nobody could lose. <laughs> You could have a 16-year-old guy up there. He'd be like, he'd win too. <laughs> and so if we could just be a little pickier about some of the things that we engage in, and then it comes to defining terms, this idea of what's your definition of love. As a matter of fact, I, when my daughter was in high school, I actually wanted her to be a nun, but she's like <laughs> into guys. So I said, when, when the guys uh, ask you to the prom, ask them what your definition of love is. And if they come back and say it's like, Butterflies. I mean, you can get that from bad pizza. <laughs> Love is sacrifice and commitment. And if we get that right, that it involves sacrifice and commitment, when some of the people that are difficult are in your blast radius, to just understand that loving people isn't like a hallmark moment. It's actually, to, it's going to involve some sacrifice and commitment, the kind of inconvenience that's sent like uh, Jesus to die. That's like actually really inconvenient, sacrificial love. I want to ask you about opposing counsel you know your client is on the right side of justice and these opposing counsel people, do you have trouble getting along with opposing counsel? Oh yeah, all the time. But what I do, I don't argue with people. The only time I raise my voice is when I'm yodeling and I've never yodeled. <laughs> and so, because it doesn't work, both yeah. yodeling and raising yeah. your voice. So, but engaging people in love, finding people that creep you out. And you can be self-aware enough to say like everything inside you is like warning, 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 danger near. But one of the things is I'm not trying to like uh, continue to avoid the people uh, that Jesus engaged. 
because I realize about that. And listen, I'm right for a living. I win arguments really. You'd know if we were arguing because I'd be winning. <laughs> but I'm, I don't know. But I'm not. Being in the middle of you two, I would that be know. awesome? Be Come fun, on, yeah. let's do this yeah. scene. Come on. But there's something beautiful. I'm not trying to be right anymore. I'm trying to be Jesus. Yeah. And that's going to take a quarter of a twist. You know, if you saw a castle and there's a, down in the basement, there's a wine cellar with all these dusty bottles. And there's somebody giving the bottles a quarter of a twist. Mm -hmm. I never knew the reason they do that is the sediment sticks to the glass. Yeah. And that's how you get the, the wine clear. And I think I've been trying to do that for the longest time in my life. Just give my life a quarter of a twist. For your audience, think of how, how you're living your life, the people that are difficult to you, and how you've been reacting. Give it a quarter of a twist. Mm -hmm. I was actually got a call from a young guy. He said, <laughs> Bob, you've changed my life. I've done a 360 degree change. I'm like, Actually, you're right back where you started. <laughs> I give it a quarter of a twist the other way. <laughs> but it's a little bit at a time. That's how, and some people who love God a lot are so hard on themselves. Yeah. I just want everybody that's just been really hard on them, get a puppy. Yeah. Like literally yeah. find some. <laughs> and if you're being really hard on everybody else, get two puppies. Yeah. Like just chill out. Like okay. literally. I probably have a tendency so now people are going to search back to times when they've been around me. When I'm around someone that is somebody that I'm creeped out by or, or the radar antennas are up and I really don't want to be around this person, I usually talk fast and I usually dominate the conversation and I, you know, I, would, I would kind of do that instead of just saying, hey, you know, I don't know that I'm honest in regard to saying, hey, why don't we just break apart here and, and uh, you go over there and I'll go this way. I'm not quite, I would probably nervously go into longer stories. That is what you do. Yeah, yeah. I, I just realized That's that. That's just actually. wonderfully Now I know how to stop you. But what I, <laughs> when the, word, up, when the word count goes up, yeah. he'd be like, yeah. I literally kind of nervously talk because in my own family, when there was problems, I felt like I was always the, the peacemaker. So if my mom and dad were fighting, I was usually trying to fix their Your thing. Your mom and if, dad fought? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then between you know, my dad and my brother, who were oil and water kind of, I was always trying to you know, get in the middle. And, and so basically, I spent my life being a peacemaker. And when I'm in a conflict with somebody in a bigger room and there's people watching and I really don't want to be talking to them, I'm usually talking fast. Yeah, that's what? just so wonderfully self-aware. That's yeah, why where you're it, talking so fast right now. No, I love talking. Yeah, that's where it starts knowing why you do what you do. Okay. Um, and so I was talking to a guy who was actually kind of in my face about something. <laughs> I'm a hard guy not to get along with, and I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, "I'm insecure too." <laughs> <laughs> and there's something beautiful about that, just getting real. You know, when I blow it, and it's often, it's a target-rich environment, but <laughs> when uh, Sweet Maria sees me uh, Your wife. doing something, yeah. Yeah, Sweet Maria Goff, like, uh, she sees me doing something like kind of lame. You know what she has on her little desk? She's got a picture of me when I was eight years old. And she just sees little insecure eight-year-old Bobby Goff is just going off right now and doing those things. And it, it's, she's told me that it's helped kind of reframe who I am and her mind. If we could do that for other people, like, you know, Jesus didn't say to Peter, you're such a wuss. What do you mean you don't know me, <laughs> <the> rooster? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, Peter, you're a rock. He actually saw who he's turning into. And so what I try to do with some people that are difficult to me, I, I try to see who they're turning into. Mm. Right? I'm pretty sure that was the first time the word wuss yeah. has been said on, <laughs> on the air. Um, how do you either diffuse or how do you show love in a difficult situation um, you know, at, at Christmas with toxic relatives. Yeah, part of it, start off by uh, being grateful for this tremendous family that you have. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I just, I'm so grateful for the one that I got. Wonderfully diverse and all that. But let's say somebody in the audience, somebody watching has somebody that there's had a really difficult time with. Uh, that idea to know, maybe draw a line down the middle of the paper and say, this is my stuff and this is their stuff. And so you don't need to sort out their stuff over your holiday. Yeah. Um, there you could just say, you can even put in some beautiful guardrails to say, you know what we're not going to do is have a lot of drama, right? So for Sweet Maria and I, we've had this overarching idea for 32 years, two months, and seven days. And it's this, like, 100% kindness, 0% drama. Because mm -hmm. if, if your life would make a great daytime TV show, <laughs> that's a lot of drama, yeah. right? That would be, if, it, if they could make a reality TV show out of your life, then I would just tone down the drama a little bit, and you could just put up these beautiful guardrails. And to just say, like, we have my drama meter. That's his And guardrails directly confrontationally as they're on the front porch, hey, we've got some guardrails, or do you email in advance, or do you just decide <laughs> those are your internal guardrails? Yeah, or to a poster, skywriting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you could, uh, you'll know what uh, works and you know what doesn't work. That's the beauty of being around the sun a couple times for all of us, that you know the things that will work in your life and the things that won't work. And so I'd find that navigate. And sometimes it might be a time period. You might find your sweet spot is just 30 awesome minutes. Okay. Um, so you'll know what works and mix it up. If you're picking a lock, like if you're a lock picker, you spin the dial and you listen for the tumblers to follow. And if, if there's just a lot of noise in your life and I'd just find a quiet spot. I'd also, uh, just as we were talking about being self-reflective, just know why you're doing what you're doing. If you're just ricocheting off people, and there's a, there's a habit of doing that when you're together, I'd carve a new little groove in your mind. Find a new habit to replace that one, and then go Grand Canyon with it. Don't make it like a little groove. I'll give you an example. Like, um, I, uh, I wear this Mickey Mouse watch everywhere. <laughs> Sometimes he and I are the only ones smiling in the room. I'm like, <laughs> me and you, buddy. But like literally find something that is super helpful for you. I, 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 if you knew me, if I stood up here, I've got right pockets everywhere. Yeah. I have no left pockets. Literally, if I put my phone in my left pocket, it'll end up it's in my gone. shoe. Yeah. And the reason I did, I cut all my left pockets out. And the oh, reason really? why is that your faith in mine is the sum of everything we're hanging on to and everything we're willing to let go of. And it's only 18 inches between here and here, but it's an important 18. And so for some of us with the difficult people in our lives is we're just hanging on to some old stuff and we just actually need to move it from here to here. Wow. And you won't even know, I put my car keys in my left pocket, I have to take Uber home. <laughs> They're just gone. And I think it might be that way with some of the things that you've been harboring, maybe the old hurts, maybe the, uh, somebody ripping the scab off. Uh, the wound again, to just say, like, actually, I want to move that over to my left pocket and let that go. Okay. Everybody always, Bob Goff, that's what we're talking about. We've set the stage, but where do you want to go here? What well, story or ask, what? Let, can I ask a question? You I'm may. sorry. Um, when did God speak 
everybody always to you. Tell us that story. You know what? I was. I wrote a book called Love Does. We. Uh, uh, this publisher, I think, in the clip, they said, we write a book, and I'm like, I'll trade you for a school. <laughs> and then they sold a million and a half of them. So we, like, sold, like, lots of them. You know the crazy thing about uh, these books? On the last page, I put my cell phone number. <laughs> it's awesome. I get 100 calls a day. I can't get a thing done. It's terrific. <laughs> But I just noticed that about Jesus. He was always available to people. Yeah. Wow. And the people that have impacted my life the most weren't the smartest people. They were the most available people. Mm. And so that idea of saying, you know what, I want to get more and more available because I saw Jesus. Somebody pulls on his shirt. He's like, who was that? Yeah. Little guy in a sycamore tree. He's like, lunch on you. He had time for everybody. And I found that I was like not making time for people. And that's a great way to fix it. Tell me your cell phone number. I'll put it in the next book. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, I'm just thinking, I feel led to make that 200 calls a day. His cell phone is 19 yes! Call me. We yeah. never talk. Yeah, yeah but so. there's something great. There was, I got a call from a guy who was on his honeymoon. I'm like, buddy, I got four words for you. Put the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> but if we just became available to people, there's just something that I don't know what changes in them, but things start changing in us. Okay. Uh, people don't follow vision, they follow availability. Okay, mm. um, did you answer the question about what God speaking to you about the Of course not, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Okay. I just, like, yeah. He's uh, the funnest lawyer did, I've did ever been around. <laughs> yeah, I think the whole idea, when Love Does was done, I was actually supposed to write this next book, and, uh, and I'd actually written it, and I went to visit a friend of mine up in San Francisco, and it was on my computer, and I hadn't backed it up, you guys. Somebody broke up into the van. They broke into the van. They stole the laptop. 60,000 words just Gone. evaporated. <laughs> Like rats, iClouds a dollar a year or something. I'm like, so I just started again. And I, this is a different book. I don't even know what the first one was about. <laughs> but, but, what, but what I wanted to do is I just noticed that everybody's a little bit on edge. Haven't you noticed yeah. in the last couple of years? Yes. I'm like, actually, I want to talk about that in our faith. And Matthew 5 says, love your enemies. Yeah. And it doesn't stop there. It says, love your enemies so you can be Perfect, like wow. your father in heaven. And I'm like, I don't know any of my friends that aim for perfect. I thought I had the perfect job once, and then I had it for a week or two. I'm like, this actually isn't perfect. I thought I got the perfect car once, and then I drove it, and the wheel fell off. I'm like, actually not a perfect car. But this idea of to have a perfect faith, I haven't experienced that yet. But what I have experienced is the power of engaging some people who've given me the creeps. They've kept some distance from. And that's what I'm just trying to learn. So I'm just kind of asking questions in the, in the book by telling stories. Yeah. And about, like, how do you engage people that you love? There's, uh, I have a son. Uh, Adam, in, uh, he took up skydiving, which is a really bad idea because he's very forgetful. <laughs> and that is not the attribute of an old skydiver. And, uh, and so I would take him to the drop zone every uh, weekend and he'd get his parachute on, get in the airplane and jump out. And so I decided I was going to blow his mind. So while he was at work, I took skydiving lessons. <laughs> so the next weekend, we went out to the drop zone. He got out of the car, put on the parachute, got on the plane. I got out of the car. I just grabbed one and put it on. He's like, Dad, <laughs> I'm like, how hard could it be? <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> 
up to 15,000 feet and he jumped out and I'm just like threw myself out after him. And I think that's the simple as we're celebrating Christmas. That is the message of God to the world that literally Jesus jumped out of heaven to mm. be with us. Yeah. It would be that. And here's the deal. I've taken the bar exam and passed in five states. Okay. And I, I, I'm just savant. I'm like, I just know how to memorize stuff. Um, you know how long it takes for the bar exam? Three days. Yeah. You know how long it takes to pass your skydiving license? 30 seconds. <laughs> That's all you've got. Wow. And so what I've been trying to do is follow Jesus 30 seconds at a time, yeah. actually obey what he tells me to do. Wow. And so if there's somebody that's really difficult and I don't want to love him, I'm like, okay, I'm going to love that guy for 30, 30 more seconds. seconds. I'm like 28, 29. <laughs> I'm like, okay, 30 more seconds. <laughs> but that's, what if you did that? What if we just said, maybe when you have some people that are difficult to be around, just love them 30 seconds at a time. Wow. And that breaks it down to me. I just go, I could live that kind of faith. Wow. Um, there's a guy that calls you every couple of weeks and cusses you out. You want to talk about that? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah there's this guy who just calls and he just like uses all these cusses. I thought I knew them all, but evidently <laughs> there's new ones. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and we've never gotten to what he's mad about. Uh, but I end the phone conversation with him the same way every single time. I tell him, I will always take your call. There's something beautiful that's changing in me about that, that when we've all know what it's like to be misunderstood, what we want to do is like replace that by giving people grace. It's like carving that little groove again. Because I don't want this guy to do something crazy in society. I want to be the one safe place in his life. If you're feeling it, buddy, you can just get it out there. And that might not be for everybody, but if that's for you, just like, man, get it out. And then people won't. I bet he's going to grow up and he's going to say, you know, there's this guy that wrote a book with balloons. I used to just cuss him out for no particular reason. I, I don't know what is going on, but he never hung up on me. Okay, let me ask you uh, a couple of questions. What, how did you get like you are? You know, I mean... <laughs> Happened. I mean, you studied and you were a lawyer. How did you turn into this kind of magician atmosphere kind of person? Uh, well, what part happened? of it is uh, being self-aware enough to know like who you are and who you want to be. Okay, imagine, go with me. Uh, to like, like so we're some like tropical island and we're waist deep in the water and it's beautiful and clear. And this fin is swimming at you really fast. Yep. Now there's no wrong answer to this, but neither of you can abstain. Which of you says it's a shark and who says it's a dolphin? Yeah. You, whatever. Okay, so we're in the water, the fin's swimming at you. Who says it's a shark? Who says it's a dolphin? I would probably shark. I'd shark. say dolphin. She'd say shark. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So same information. And I'm on the Enneagram. I'm a seven. Even if it was a shark, I say dolphin with a lot of teeth. <laughs> like so. <laughs> so I'm kind of an upbeat guy. So you dolphin. could know why do you see the things? If you ask Sweet Maria Goff, she'd yeah. say a thousand sharks. Yeah. There's one fin on the top. There's 999 just <laughs> under the water. <laughs> Yeah. And so that isn't a, a bad thing. That actually might be wisdom to say like, no, I'm actually intuitive enough to say that may well be a shark. So there's no right answer on that, but that demonstrates for me like that, that we're all just wired so wonderfully different. And we've had all these experiences. We've been deeply wounded. We've been delighted by so many things. So I'm just saying, well, let's figure that stuff out, but not figure it out while we're ricocheting off all of our relatives. Right. You right. Know, I got it. But you know what? Sometimes, okay, so maybe I would have saw that as a dolphin for years, but then they turn out to be sharks. Yes. That is something to, that 
<laughs> that's hard, you know, to where you, you want to see a dolphin, but they are sharks. Yeah. And that, I think, is, a, is maybe what a lot of people deal with. Um, you that mean you're, you're getting... You, you, that you, you open up yourself and dolphin mentality. Yeah, and yeah. the older I get, is probably shark, which is very that. sad to me. Well, think of these underlying beliefs that we have; these limiting kind of beliefs. Like, if you were uh, in a family and your parents split up when you were young, you might have this limiting belief that if I actually love someone fully, eventually they're going to leave, because you've experienced that. Yeah. And so, to have compassion that the people that are acting in really different ways or unlikely ways, they've probably got all this stuff going on. It's like LaGuardia on Christmas Eve. They have mm -hmm. all these bogeys they're trying to track and you're just standing in the middle of the runway. <laughs> and so I think there's a way to just be do a little air traffic control on that to say, you know, do you guys get junk mail at your house? Yes. We get it by the foot. <laughs> what I do is I look at the return address. And if it isn't somebody I know, I don't read the junk mail. Some of us that are wrapped around the axle, we're reading all the junk mail. Yeah. And it isn't coming from Jesus. Some of the self-loathing you've got going on, it's like I'm not pretty enough, I'm not tall enough or short enough or smart enough or whatever. One of the things we get to do is to just decide, I'm going to be Jesus. I'm just going to live into this faith that I've got wherever your listeners are in their faith uh, adventure. I just like, just, and to see your life, not like a business trip, but truly as an adventure. Imagine if the three of us are driving down the road together and our left rear wheel passes us in the fast lane. <laughs> <laughs> now that would make a lousy business trip, but it'd be an awesome adventure. Right. And yeah. so sometimes when these things happen in our lives, I've had all kinds of bad stuff happen to me, but I'm like, wow, this is going to make a great story someday. But sometimes it takes a little time. You know, it takes... 20 days and one seed to make a radish, but it takes seven years and one seed to make a pear. And what I'm realizing about myself, because I'm a little pretty amped, mm -hmm. like I keep putting everything in the microwave and Jesus keeps taking it out and putting it in the crock pot. Yeah. <laughs> so I think sometimes when I want the people around me to change right now, I just think like he's making a pear. He didn't make a radish. Uh, it's going to take a little while. And, uh, and so for each of us, if we just figure that out, just be a little bit... Uh, more relaxed about everybody else, not trying to get them to just comply with us. Do you have a good story about accusation that you got over and dealt with that, that you know? Oh, I think this idea of following Jesus means being a, a life of being constantly misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Like when I get misunderstood, that's just Tuesday for me. Yeah. I'm not aiming for that. It's just going to happen along the way. Um, one of the things that we've been doing in Uganda is taking people that have just been really bad like these witch doctors and uh, taking them on and to say, like, actually, you can't harm children. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you do, I'm actually a lawyer. We're going to try the case. And so <laughs> the lawyer's going to come kill you. Yeah, but they're actually, you will never be seen again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but that idea of not just this, like, some of us are big on the justice part, but we're not as big on the love and compassion mm -hmm. part. And so I get that. If we've been wounded ourselves, or you, I mean, who doesn't want to stick up for kids? But at the same time, can we demonstrate both love and justice? Because I don't think there's no yeah. uh, love without justice. No, there's no justice without love. Tell the story of a man that you visited on death row yeah. in Uganda. And yeah, there's a... Uh, you were partly responsible for putting him... Well, his actions were responsible for putting him there, but yeah, justice there's was a, served. There's a, a practice uh, in Uganda, witchcraft, 
and the witch doctors will actually sacrifice little children and and it's it would be from like you know you'd think of a hundred years ago but it actually still happens from time to time but nobody had ever taken on a witch doctor uh, and this witch doctor had hurt this little boy and cut off these body parts and left him for dead, but the kid didn't die. Mm. And so we tried the case, and the word of this conviction went to 42 million people. It was like, you touch a kid, it's over. But I was thinking about Matthew 5, like, love your enemies. And so this guy's on death row, and I started visiting him. Mm. Uh, and, and he walked in the room the first time, and he took a knee, and he started telling me how bad he felt about what he'd done to this little boy. And I'm like, you just feel bad. I caught you. Then he started talking about witchcraft and what he'd had done in his life. And then his words, not mine, he said, I know I'm going to die in here. Do you know what I need? I need forgiveness. Mm. Wow. And wow. that's crazy. And it felt, it really felt like I was talking to a criminal hanging on a cross next to Jesus. Wow. Uh, and then this guy, he comes to faith. I'm like, dude, really? Like, I wasn't trying to get him in. I was trying to keep him out. Yeah. And, and, but uh, ever since then, I started visiting him. Every time I was in Uganda, I'd go to the jail. We'd meet. And he actually believes some stuff that some of us don't. He believes he's a new creation. Wow. Um, he's going to be separated from society, but he isn't separated from Jesus. And I asked the warden, has anybody ever presented the gospel here to all 3,000 guys on death row? And he's like, nobody. I said, well, can Kabi do it? I mean, he lives here now. And it was like I did a jet, I think, because he said yes. And Kabi and I stood holding hands inside Lozera, and he presents the gospel of Christ to 3,000 dying men. And you know the <laughs> Here's the crazy part. He totally screwed it up. <laughs> I've never heard anybody hack the gospel worse than God. I don't even know if I believed after that. And, um, and, and you know what uh, he got right, though? He got the idea of forgiveness. Wow. And all these men started coming towards him. He grabs a water bottle. He starts baptizing them. I'm like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> and then he grabs my hand and he said, Bob, I know I'm going to die in here because of you. <laughs> Awkward pause. Yeah. Uh, and he said, but I want you to know that I forgive you. And I'm like, you can't forgive me. You're the bad guy. <laughs> but he'd been reading Matthew 5 too. Wow. And he knew that I couldn't, he couldn't be perfect if I, wasn't, if I was still his enemy. And there's something beautiful. Seeing what Kabi was willing to do with me when I was his enemy, it makes me want to do that. So you know what I did? Don't be freaked out. But I started a witch doctor school. We don't teach them how to be witch doctors. They already know. But we <laughs> teach them how to read and write. Wow. And the only books they have in witch doctor school to learn how to read and write are the Bible and love does. <laughs> <laughs> You're reading their textbook. <laughs> I love it. So when it came time... To write this next book, everybody always, I told them, you guys are still learning how to spell and you're not that good at it. So I'll write all the words. And what if you make the cover out of your fingerprints? <laughs> so, Those are not jelly beans. <laughs> okay, so get a, get a real tight shot on, on the book. Not mine, just go to the close-up of the book. So the, the things that look like confetti that were kind of artistically put around the word every, everybody always, those are actual thumbprints 
of who exactly? 250 witch doctors in this witch doctor school, and they're coming to faith. I'll tell you, I, uh, I got a phone call. I usually get my first phone call at 5 in the morning. It's always some dude in Atlanta on the yeah. way to work, but right. it's like, you know, 5 in the morning in San Diego. I got my last call at midnight from two witch doctors in witch doctor school, and they called me up, and they said, a little boy's been abducted, and they've taken him into the bush for a child sacrifice, but we know where he is. Should we go get the kid? And I'm standing on the bed in my boxers. I'm like, get the kid! <laughs> Four hours later, I get a text message from these two guys in witch doctor school, and it says this, we've rescued the child. He's with his mother. And the last two words of the text message, love does. Oh my God. I just say, what wow. happens? Wow. Okay. Isn't that amazing? I got to... I got to jump in here just one second. Uh, I'm going to go to the rolling in Afghanistan, but, but let me paraphrase what, what just happened. Bob Goff, the guy that, there, that's Bob right there, Bob. There, okay, Bob. Bob wrote a book, and Bob has this natural ability to be who you were. You said earlier you, you know, are a pendulum swing from some of the things you grew up in, and, and so some of the things that you felt as a child, you, you became a pendulum to, and you are just this outstanding personality, but you, you kind of win an award. In fact, uh, here, I want to just give you that. That's, that's your prize for winning the award. Is that a real pop? Is that edible or is that fake? Yes. Oh, I'm totally. Go ahead. Go ahead seven, you got it. Yeah, go ahead and eat it. Yeah. So while he's eating his award, uh, I want to say this. <laughs> And I'm trying to wipe some of it off my hand here. That's awesome. Uh, but you know what, what ultimately you've done is you probably took on the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Mm. You went to Uganda and took on putting love does into practice to witch doctors who most Christians wouldn't even get near. Talk about creepy. And, and yeah, that's yeah, not bingo. creepy. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. And so no one would ever try these guys. You're a lawyer. You did. Then you got him to share the gospel. I mean, see, so when, when somebody that does what you just heard tells you something for free, mm. I'd listen. Yeah. Okay. And so get these books right here. Love does. Everybody always. We should probably do a two-pack because they kind of go together. You know, if you kind of stagger them, they have balloons and confetti. <laughs> Uh, but basically, this is a guy that has gone to an extreme that most of us couldn't even imagine mm -hmm. of going to, and he's proven it out, and it's, these are the manuals for being able to get past your crazy relatives, and we all have them, and uh, basically... Uh, good on you. So yeah. You know the interesting thing uh, about Scripture I've been reading, and uh, Jesus doesn't talk about going across the ocean. What he talks about is going across the street. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is like, uh, like learn how to love my neighbor. And I'm learning from the most unlikely people, and I think each of us could. Like the people think of in your neighborhood that you've just been kind of avoiding or waving to. I have a neighbor that for years and years, he's like the head of industry. And you know what he did every Monday morning? He took my garbage out. And it was really difficult for me that he did that every single year and he put the cans away afterwards. Some of us in our faith communities are really good at giving things. What's actually difficult is to receive some mm -hmm. things. And that would be another message during these uh, the time in the lead up to Christmas to uh, not only give away love, because for some of you, that's like very easy to do. I would say to receive love mm. from people 
authentically to say, I actually don't even have a shelf and this makes me feel really uncomfortable, but I wanna thank you. This is what that meant to me. I think that would be a great muscle to exercise. If somebody just tuned in, what, is, what, what, are, we, what are we trying to say? What is your life and your books trying to say to our audience in a closing statement, landing the plane type yeah, of Yeah, it would be, a, how are we gonna lead people with love? I have been to Uganda, I bet 50 times, and I've never taken the malaria meds. I mean, like, what are the chances? <laughs> <laughs> I got malaria! <laughs> Almost killed me! Oh I was God. in the ICU for two weeks. The awesome part, I lost 30 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna write a weight loss book. It's just gonna have one mosquito bite you, <laughs> away it goes. Um, oh. And I'm super, I'm fine after getting malaria. <laughs> I got a big bill, but like, <laughs> but the only thing that's left over is I've got uh, this little shimmy in my left hand. Like in my right hand, I could do Lasix, but like my left hand, I could whip eggs. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's just something got disconnected. And so what I've learned is this, that it's easy for me to lead with my right hand. Like I was in a group of, uh, of people that were influential and at the end they said, let's all hold hands. Mm -hmm. You know what I did? I put my hands in my pocket because I didn't want people to think I was nervous or afraid or weak. And I think what I'm learning, this eighth miracle that Jesus did, the guy with the withered hand, he mm. said, reach out your hand to me. Mm. And I just hope during this Christmas season that we'll reach out, not just our strong hand, but our weak hand. Mm. And that's what I'm learning, this idea of loving people the way that Jesus did, loving people that you'd rather keep your distance from. Mm. Don't reach out your strong hand to them because you'll just have another conflict. I would just say there's something beautiful and authentic about just saying, actually, I'm like actually pretty nervous talking to you right now. This is something that makes me feel really awkward, but could we just keep the drama down a little bit? Mm. Um, I don't want li to listen to the loudest voices. I want to hear the truest voices in my life. And I want to be that, re recognizing that while there's some people that are really difficult for me to be around, I'm actually one of the people that's really difficult for some other people to be around. Mm -hmm. And to just demonstrate a little bit of grace. I think that's the whole idea of leading up to Christmas, that we would reach out weak hands to one another, mm -hmm. but not just avoid people, but to engage them with love and start with the difficult people, not the ones that are just easy. Yeah. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. Oh, gosh. You know, yeah. of all these calls that I get, uh, I've got, they're uh, prisoners that get this a book, and they pass it from jail cell to jail cell. And so I got this phone call, and it, uh, I answered. I was meeting with somebody, and it says, you have a call. Uh, and I just, I hung up, because I thought it was like, you know, for steak knives or whatever it was. <laughs> and so I hung up, and then they dial back again. I go, hello, it's Bob. And like, you have a call. I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to it and, and hang up. Uh, and so it, uh, it went on to say, you have a call from a federal prison press five to receive your call. I'm like, I am all over that. <laughs> <laughs> so I press five. Now there's a guy and he says, hello, Bob. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, who is this? And he, he said his name and, and he said, uh, uh, will you call my girlfriend for me? <laughs> What? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, you know, I don't understand, but sure. Uh, so I conferenced him, her, her in, and I said, what's the number? And it's actually, I'm not going to tell you, it's one digit off from 
the love does number. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, I dialed the number and a guy answers. And, and I'm, I'm on the conference call. He says, you know, where's, you know, this gal? And he says, she's with me now. And he said, like, and he hung up. And I was like, I was feeling bad. We're off the call. I get back to my meeting. The phone rings again. And it's like, I answer the phone and said, you have a call? <laughs> Press five. I did. And this guy, I'm like, oh, buddy, are you okay? And he said, will you call my mom for me? <laughs> I'm like, this guy's concierge. So I'm like, what the heck? So I dial the number and it rings a couple times and he said, hi, mom. And, and, and he said, I just want to tell you that I loved you. And you know oh. what? She hung up on him. Oh, come on. Now I'm a part of this reality TV show and I'm like, oh, buddy, it's just he and I on the line. I'm like, buddy, are you okay? He's like, what do you need? And he said, you know what I need is a bracelet. <laughs> I was an alibi, a saw, like I was just thinking something other than a bracelet. And so I'm like, oh, what do you want to do? It's an ankle bracelet because he'd qualified to get out. I'm like, buddy, I'll just get you one. What color do you want? I had no idea how much an ankle bracelet cost to like low jack a felon. And so I... <laughs> I sent in the money and, and like, I've never heard from him again, but I have in my mind, I was telling Sweet Maria Goth this, she'd be like, why the big charge on MasterCard? I'm like, it's a long story. <laughs> and so, and I think she's envisioning, cause she sees more sharks, like he'll be walking down the street holding my flat screen. But I just think I would rather err on the side of loving people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would be Matthew 5. Yeah. The only thing that matters is faith expressed in love. Yeah. God won't use the smartest people. He'll use wise people, but it isn't the smartest people. It'll be people that are available. And is that going to be risky? Would you, is it possible that you and I will take a hit? I'll lose my flat screen. You'll lose your car, whatever. I would just rather fail trying. I don't want to fail watching anymore. Yeah. And I think that's what we do. I think we disengage people, but when you engage them in wisdom, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Mm. You don't have to guard your whole life, but I was reading the, uh, uh, the door on the vault to the New York gold deposit. It weighs 44,000 pounds. <laughs> the combination changes five times a second. That's how you guard your heart. Uh, wow. But you don't shut yourself off from people that have been just uh, difficult to be around because this beautiful message, I'm kind of old school. I don't think we lead people to Jesus. I think Jesus leads people to Jesus. I mm. think what we need to do is engage people without an agenda other than to just know that the only thing that's going to matter, if we express our faith and love, then let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Wow. I love that. I need to be more like you. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just wonderfully that we're all different. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's like Stone Soup. I do soup. love that. Remember yes. that a kid's book, like Stone Soup? They yep. pull into the village and they have the pot. They say, you know, we're really hungry. And, and when people come by, they say, what do you need? And they're like, like tasting the water. And they say, you know, we could use some carrots. <laughs> they're like, I've got some carrots. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing, you know how it ends. Like everybody's fed. And I think you just, like Jesus, you just bring what you've got and you let him turn something that you've got into something beautiful enough to feed everybody. Yeah. I think that's it. And we bring what we've got. And I hope what we'll bring is our joy. Yeah. And everybody wonderfully different. Like comparison is a punk. Yeah. Like it, I, what we want to be is just authentically us. 
They're just believing that God's never looked in the mirror and wished he saw somebody else. Like, and so I'm, you know, that every family has a lawyer and a nutty uncle. I happen to be yeah. both. And so <laughs> one of the things is to just live wonderfully into whoever God made you to be. Yeah. If you see sharks, if you see dolphins, mazel tov. Like, just see who you see. Yeah. But what I want to do is I want to see people for uh, who they are and their creations of God, even the difficult ones, yeah. even the ones that you go say, I just still am seeing who they're turning into. Yeah. And I want to hope that people would see me that way. And if they don't, I know there's a God in heaven that does. Yeah. And always seeing the best in people. Wow. Bingo. You know? Yeah, kind of the least yeah. creepiest explanation <laughs> yeah, for whatever it is. Because it's easy to come up with the most creepiest explanation, yeah. but it's the least. I spoke at a, uh, a church. There's 3,000 seats. There's one empty seat in the front. And a woman came in a little bit late. She had a seven-foot boa around her neck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not like feathers. It's like a python. <laughs> And I'm like, God. I didn't come up with the most creepiest explanation. You know that the least creepiest explanation I came up with? Maybe she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> she ducked under a branch and it wrapped around. I'm like, I'm not telling her. <laughs> so that'll be my Christmas wish for you. Come up with the least creepiest explanation for the crazy stuff that happens. <laughs> wow. Uh, awesome. Love does. How long ago did love does come out five years five years ago it's fit then this is the new one yeah, everybody always year. yeah and uh, they are both new york times bestsellers uh and this idea of uh everybody always um thank jesus your final thoughts on it we got about a minute you, you yeah know, you just, just it's easier to say some people sometimes or yeah. fun people always yeah um but what i want to do is to realize that god is working in and through the people that are around me, the ones that are wonderfully, that I see is difficult, uh, Jesus sees is wonderfully different. That yeah. he sees that he's creating a pear, not a radish. Yeah. That he's got something beautiful. And I just don't want to be the person that blocks their view of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. true. It's beautiful. True. Love does. Everybody always. Bob Goff, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.